Well, it was almost 90 years ago that Dale Carnegie wrote a little book called How to Win Friends and Influence People. And after 90 years, it still remains one of the top 50 published books of all times. Sold over 30 million copies, translated in 30 plus languages. Why? Because people wanna know about friendship. How do I make friends? How do I keep friends? In the 90s, people tuned into a show called Friends, just to watch a group of friends. Uh, more recently, it was maybe the Big Bang Theory. We love to watch and see what is friendship about? The reality is though, friendship has kind of fallen on hard times recently. Uh, across the globe, people are naming loneliness as one of the big mental health crises in our world. Amongst millennials, 25% say they don't really have a good friend. Friendship is down 45%. Uh, many people who are over 60 are not just friendless, they would say that they are isolated. In fact, Mother Teresa once wrote this quote that I think is so profound. She says, the most widespread and devastating disease today is not leprosy and it's not cancer. It's loneliness. It's not feeling wanted and feeling uncared for. And I'm sure as God looks over his creation, he says, this is not how it was meant to be. I mean, friendship has always existed from the very beginning. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they exist as a trinity together, as a community together. When God created Adam, he said it's not good for him to be alone. He created a companion for him. We see that Enoch was a friend, walked with God. Abraham was described as a friend of God. We see great friendships in Scripture from David and Jonathan. And Jesus, just before he died, he said to his disciples, I don't call you my servants, but my friends. And in the book of Proverbs, we see that the book talks about wisdom in living wisely in the area of friendship more than almost any other topic. And for the next few weeks, we wanna just settle in and look at some of these Proverbs. Proverbs is a very different book from anything else in scripture. It's not some great highs and lows of heroes or spiritual giants. It's not great theological teaching. It's just these wise little pithy statements. We probably would call them life hacks today, just some wise statements. It's a book of wisdom, and the Hebrew word for wisdom just means to live skillfully, to skillfully navigate, different challenges, and today we want to navigate what it is about friendship and to put, uh, for the next few weeks, kind of uh, a foundation for our understanding of relationships. And Solomon writes in the book of Proverbs, he says in Proverbs 13, 20, walk with the wise and you will become wise for the companion of fools suffers harm. Walk with the wise, our friends matter. So today we want to talk about just how to have good friendships, how to keep good friendships, what the basic uh, definition of a good friend is, and then some complicated things that challenge our friendships. And to help me, I've invited Hasan Moon to join me. Hasan is uh, a PhD recipient uh, in adult education and community development. She teaches at the University of Toronto. She's the executive director of the Canadian Center for uh, kind of short-term coaching. And she's an author, a speaker, and one of our life group leaders here at Bayview. And she's gonna help just understand how people can navigate friendships using some of the wisdom in Proverbs. 
Well, Hayson, thank you for joining us and uh, sharing with us some of your expertise in working with people. I just want to ask first uh, just about friendship and the definitions, because I think the whole idea of friendship has changed with social media where we mm -hmm. can friend someone quickly and unfriend someone quickly. What do you see as the basis of friendship? basis of friendship. It's so interesting, Pathetary, because I used to have 852 friends, <laughs> but my account got hacked and now I'm down to 352. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I friended 500 people quickly. <laughs> and I think that this idea of making it so easy to actually either friend or unfriend, actually it's been pretty devastating. Because at the basis of friendship, it's not, friendship is not something that you can microwave. Right. It's friendship is something that takes time, takes effort. And it really needs that uh, crockpot approach to building something together. And it feels really dangerous these days with social media. And especially on social media, you, a lot of times people don't put their worst moments <laughs> or vulnerable moments. I don't, I don't post... Uh, burnt food. I post lovely like display of food and what we actually want people to see and then what needs to be seen, there's a gap. And friendship is an interesting word because uh, the friend part of the friendship actually means to love. Mm -hmm. And the ship part of the friendship is, it's not shipwreck or anything, <laughs> it means skills. So when you talk about wisdom as skillful living, friendship actually means it's a skill of loving. And how, what are some of those skills that we can love our friends or people around us? It, it doesn't have to be your friend. It could be your family. It could be your neighbors. How do you actually skillfully love them? And that's at the basis. And I think that's just one of the challenges in our culture. We, we just assume friendships are going to happen. Mm -hmm. We don't think about them. And that's why I, I love just going through Proverbs and looking at right. what God's wisdom says. So we want to look, uh, I think, first at three things of what Proverbs says friendships are, or what friends do. Uh, the first is that friends stick with you, that they're these faithful companions. Uh, Proverbs 17, 17 says a friend loves at all times and a brother's born for adversity. A friend loves at all times. Uh, Proverbs 25, 19, I like is like a bad tooth or a lame foot is a reliance on the unfaithful in times of trouble. Um, don't forsake a friend, Proverbs 27, or your father's friend, and don't go to your brother's house in the day of calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother far away. Better is a faithful friend. And um, so we talked, I think, at the basis of a lot of relationships is trust, but trust isn't something that you get, but you have to build or create. Um, so people building friendship, how, how do you build trust with people? You know, one of the things that I find fascinating with the young people, actually, when they say, trust me, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you just lost my trust. Right. And trust is not something that you can actually force out of people. It's, it's a byproduct of right. patterns of interactions that we have. So because I've seen you do this for whatever uh, many times, that's why I can now rely on you. Yeah. And it's like a bad tooth. You cannot rely on those things. <laughs> you can't rely on them because you've seen them. There's a pattern. There's a shared pattern. And how do we build trust? Is there needs to be those accumulation of shared patterns that mm. you and I can actually have. So what does that even mean? I have friends who actually, um, especially around when I am most vulnerable, 
And you know who actually stick around、mm. because those are the people that show up. Actually, you don't even know that they're there until you hit that rock, and they show up. And I remember the day my father passed, and that he passed early in the morning at eight o'clock in the morning. Two friends show up at my door, and I'm like, "Oh, they're from my university days," and they came and they're like, they just sat with me for twenty minutes. I'm crying, and they're just sitting there. Didn't say anything. They were just sitting there. And then all of a sudden, they just got up, and then they went to my kitchen, and they started to clean up my fridge. <laughs> Are you guys hungry? Did they ask you? No, they just they were probably looking for something, and they just got up, they got up and they started to clean my kitchen and fridge. And you know, a kitchen is an interesting place because that's your sort of your place of sort of vulnerable. It shows everything,、yeah. all the things that are there, your preferences and things that are rotting, <laughs> and they're cleaning that out. And that act, that actual act, it's not just "I love you, I'm here for you," but that act of generosity. I just experienced that as such a powerful presence of people at the time that I really needed them the most. So they showed up. I think someone said, "Like make a mistake and see who shows up in your life." That those are the real friends who who are willing to walk with you.、Uh, I remember a similar situation when our son died. We had、uh, two friends who came and and they just sat in the hospital in, in the waiting room, and I don't think they said ten words, and they didn't need to. They just were there,、mm-hmm. and it meant a lot. They had been through this a similar situation, losing a child, but they. We're just there. They didn't tell us what we should feel or what we should do. They're just, we're here because we don't want you to be alone, and that's powerful.、Uh, that's powerful friendship.、Um, if someone has lost trust or is struggling with trust for someone, or you know, maybe people who are questioning, oh, I don't know if I can trust my friend. What are ways to rebuild trust? Is that possible? Wow. So when I see people who are coming in to have conversations with me in the session, a lot of times people don't come in and say, "I want to make new friends. Can you help me?" They, I don't think I have ever had that、mm-hmm. situation. But a lot of times people come and say, "Oh, I just lost a friendship. I lost a relationship, and I just they're heartbroken." And losing friendship is not really getting a lot of attention, but losing love or losing something that gets like, "Oh, I just broke up." That gets a lot of press, but. Losing friendship or relationship—that separation is actually probably worse heartbreak、mm-hmm. than just you know other relationships. And when that happens, my work usually is around、um, how do we restore? So not only restore you, also the restore the relationship. And oftentimes people—it's their real struggle. When leaders come in, they they talk about their work and all the strategy, but then it comes down to the relationship. And how do we actually build that trust? Restore, especially when it's broken. How do you restore that?、Uh, couples who actually、um, come in for coaching, who are going through really difficult relational almost breakups. How do we restore that? And then a lot of times I find it so useful to remind them, remind them of maybe their. Their strength, their resources, but then they remind them of why they were together to begin with, and remind them that they actually that was their choice, and remind them of those times, those those moments that they really cherished and shared together. Often that really helps.、Mm-hmm. 
just to go we, back to those little things. Forget when we are going through a heartache, we forget those moments. Then coming back to those moments and reminding them. And then maybe engaging in some of those things that they first did or what mm -hmm. built trust initially to be able to go back. And I think different for different people, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Right, yeah. right. So friends, like they stick with us. I think the second thing we see that friends really shape us. I mean, that's the verse we looked at first, like walk with the wise, um, who, who are our friends. Um, we see uh, Proverbs eleven twenty five. whoever brings blessing will be enriched and whoever waters themselves will be watered. Uh, so if you're sharing, you know, if you're blessing, who, who's ever watering you, what you're gonna do, who's ever pouring into your life, it's gonna come out. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart and the pleasantness of a spring, friend springs from heartfelt advice. Like who your friends are, are gonna be your advisors. Um, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And so there's this mutuality, I think, and shaping of people which requires us to be vulnerable um, and requires us, I think, to be in a relationship where iron does sharpen iron or walk with the wise that we're walking with people. Um, what do you do if you find a friendship or you feel your friendship is one-sided and you're not being shaped by that person or you feel you're always giving? That's an interesting question because I think um, friendship or relationship is um, almost always it's interfluential, so. Interfluential, yeah. right? there you go, okay. That's a new word for me, but I like it. So I made it up. <laughs> so I also influence you, but I get influenced. Yeah. So then when you think about friends shaping you, you think about you will be in some shape because of that person being in your life. And then thinking, what kind of shape do you wanna be in? Because that influence, and I mean, earlier you talked about how this book is about how to win people and influence. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that influence a real thing. Because if you think about uh, either you yourself growing up or maybe your kids, you know, people that they hang yeah. out with, they are shaped in one way or another. And how do we actually shape? Because usually people think it's one way, but you are also being influenced. A lot of times, the young people, they come and say, oh, no, 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 I'm just helping out, I'm volunteering, I'm not, I'm not, you know, it doesn't phase me. Oh, no, you, it's a big mistake. Because it's actually, both sides are being influenced, it's interfluence. Right. And when I think about that, um, when I feel like I'm always the giver, I'm always a taker, and there's that unevenness of that power maybe, or maybe there's this unevenness of effort, contribution, and I think over time, this one side, whichever side will actually tire out of the situation mm. or tire out of the relationship. But oftentimes people feel stuck. So people say stuff like this, oh, we've, been, we've known each other for 40 years. But also what that means is, I think I know them, so I'm not going to make any more effort to actually get to know them and what God is doing in their life <laughs> because they're actually changing. Right. So there are a couple things there when we say, oh, you know, I'm, it's just one-sided. It also means that there's a bit of like, I'm always the giver. Then you are going to tie. Yeah, most people never say, oh, I'm always the oh, taker in the friendship. Yeah, exactly. I'm always the giver. I'm always <laughs> taking care. But also, it might, you, you might need to reflect on how come you're always the giver. Hmm. How come? What is it? Do you, are you okay actually receiving care? Because taking care of somebody actually is, feels better than being taken care of. 
So what is it about your heart too that you're always a giver? It's not always a good thing that you're always the giver. Which it raises the question of just being vulnerable in friendship, mm -hmm. right? Being open and vulnerable mm -hmm. to let someone in. Because how do you create that kind of vulnerability in relationships? How do you open yourself up? Oh, that's um, vulnerability actually is directly linked to the possibility or the risk mm -hmm. of shame and guilt and all those things that so people don't really go there. And if you actually see some people who are putting it out there, <laughs> and then it's interesting on social media, actually, when you are vulnerable, you get less likes. But when you actually put like, you know, beautiful photos of, you know, you in like bathing suits, somewhere hot or something, then you get like, like hundreds of likes. But then the minute you put something out there a little bit more, people will perceive as negative, then you get really much less likes. And then that we live in a society that discourages that vulnerability. Yeah. At the same time, we talk about it, you know, how to be resilient and all those things. But I think we are in one way promoting fragility rather than the actual vulnerability, that willingness and putting yourself out there. And then you also need to discern if this is a safe place yeah. to do that. Yeah. yeah. Which, you know, Solomon goes on, if with friends shape us, um, you, you know, he talks about uh, the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Proverbs 12, 26, the righteous choose their friends. And so if friends shape us, you know, I don't know if we always put much thought into choosing our friends, <laughs> right? We just kind of, we, we let it happen. Uh, we let it, we just assume our children are gonna know how to make uh, friends. But that just reminds me of it, like we are one step, one friend away from maybe a significant change in our life, like we look at the new year, how am I gonna change? Um, we might be one step away from being a better parent by becoming a friend with a better parent, or that we might be a step away from a, a, a better worker, um, but it might be better we're one friend away. Mm -hmm. So how have you seen uh, people choose friends, or what do you think should be the thought in choosing friends? You know, that's a good question because I think I'm still learning because mm. everyone is different. So you kind of need to experience them and learn and, and sort of negotiate what it's going to be like. And I guess this idea of you're choosing your friends actually is quite refreshing because, I mean, when we work with people, we, we go through this interview, rigorous interview, and then we hire them, we take their CV, and we choose so carefully. But when it comes to the real friends who might influence you, influence your life, right. I don't know if we put in the same rigor. Are we doing friends audit? <laughs> we actually reflecting on, do I want to be surrounding myself with these influences? Do I want to be like them, right? We do that with our, I was going to say, as parents, you do that with your kids. You're like, you want them to be thoughtful with their so friends. So you interview them? <laughs> well, we talk to them, yeah. <laughs> interview your kids' friends. Um, but we don't do that as adults that much. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We just like let it happen or think it should. And somehow you sort of get to know somebody and then there's a moment that you're like, are we friends? Mm. And how do we know that? What actually makes you say that we're friends now? Is that doing something together, like playing golf together, or is that suffering together? There's something that actually makes you feel and think that we're friends now. Yeah. But 
when I talk to my nephews, I think it's actually safe to say, um, probably don't be friends with people who do the things that God hates. Right, right. <laughs> it's like, God hates it, and they do it, and don't be friends. And there are some things actually in the Bible that's, that talks about what God actually hates. Like God hates like arrogance, like haughty right. eyes. And if you actually have somebody who actually makes you feel like you are less than them, maybe it's a good idea <laughs> that you don't befriend them. Or things like if you know that they have, they're quick to do evil, or they're scheming against or, or uh, oppressing people who are vulnerable, that you know that they're not good friends. So the criteria could be pretty simple. For me, my criteria is, is God pleased in the mm. way that they do their living? And sometimes they're funny, they're like so <laughs> cool, and then I want to be friends with you, but there is this, I, I feel this boundary sometimes, because I don't agree with how you're living your right. life. And how do we then stay that, how do we stay in that relationship without being influenced? Well, I think it's talking about them. I think it's, again, it's kind of almost adult conversations at children's level, which are really challenging because I think sometimes they feel maybe rejected. They feel that maybe it's a one-way friendship, um, you know, <laughs> help them understand who they are in Christ too. And I think what they bring and the value they bring. Because often when we see a negative friendship, it's because we, we see that it's not bringing out the best in our child. Mm -hmm. And so talking to them about who do you really wanna be and how are they helping and what ways is that gonna be? And is this activity gonna be able to do that? Or you just lock them in a room and don't let them have friends. Grounded. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I, again, because we're not comfortable talking about friendships and, you know, I think the challenge is our children and people watch our friendships. Yeah. And so we have to be honest about our friendships too, because we've been in that situation where we've had our children say, okay, what about what these people are in your life? And you've got to be honest. And I think, I, I think again, it's living a vulnerable life in front of our children too. Yes. And doing that. Actually in front of children, what you do with your friends actually will be that model that they have in their mind. It yeah. becomes their mental model of what to follow. If you are, if you sit with your friend and you start gossiping about another friend, that's probably what they're gonna do. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's one of those moments when my nephew came home and he was talking about his friend and he said, well, he calls me a stupid. And I'm like, okay. And I was angry. I was like, why are you hanging out with him? But I didn't say that. I said, okay, so do you agree with that? And he's like, I don't know anymore. And then having that conversation of reminding them yeah. who they are, I think that is so important. Yeah. So I told them that I'm so proud of you. And if you if you don't like being called stupid, then you might need to think about that friendship. Yeah. So having that conversation. It's, it's wow. good, yeah. So friends stick with you, friends shape you. Here's the last thing that Solomon says, because I think this is the hardest, is that friends uh, stir you. I mean, they can stir you up. Proverbs 27, six. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Uh, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. You know, that people who really flatter us and say all, all the nice things, that's not a good friendship. But faithful are the wounds uh, of a friend. And so 
Um, I think in our Facebook world, again, we're hard to be honest. We don't want to, or we'll say something to somebody else's friend on Facebook. But how do we keep open to hearing the, the faithful wounds? How, how do we do that and keep in a mindset where we're okay to hear those in a good friendship? I mean, first of all, if you have a friend who tells you like really something that you need to hear, you need to keep them. <laughs> and if they actually do it in a way that is really out of that care and love, not so much out of frustration, I think you definitely need to keep them. <laughs> right, right. And I think being open to it, it's, it's, it's actually two way for the friend to offer you something and then for you to have that heart to receive it. Because oftentimes you may take it as a harsh criticism and then turn away and say, like, you know what, forget you, you're not good for my happiness and walk away. Because right. these days people talk about, are they you know, adding to your joy? And then, no, you're not, and you just walk away. It doesn't work like that. Because you need to hear those things that you're not aware of. And I remember one time that uh, when I was traveling around the world and all those different things, and people don't really give you criticism. They give you flattery. It's like, oh, it's, so, it's amazing, you know, all those things. And I thought I was all that. And I remember coming home here and then I'm like, I, yeah, I'm, I'm all that, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and none of my staff members will like. Yeah, I think people know when, sometimes you know? when you travel, like when I've gone to, to Africa, people like carry your, you can't even carry your Bible. <laughs> they carry your Bible, they sit you. They like, just and treat they, you and like you're, some sort of royalty. Yeah, and you feel bad about it. But then yeah. after a while, it's like. You get used to it. You get and used that's, to it. that's the strange part of it, that we change. And when we change, in the direction that is not pleasing to God, who's there to correct you? That people who are there to correct you, it's, it's sometimes hard to swallow. I had one friend who actually then turned to me and said, you know what, Heisan, you know, something happened to you and you lost your heart. And I'm like, who, how dare you? And how dare you? And I was angry. And she said, no, something happened to your head, something got to your head. And now you're building your kingdom. And, you're not, and I was furious and I was like, I'm not doing that. But you know, those words of truth, they always stick with you and they bear fruit. Right. <laughs> and then I was, I heard it so I couldn't forget it. So I went home and I, we had a fight. And I was pretty sure that this is it. You are not adding to my joy. <laughs> <laughs> I went home, I prayed about it. I even like, like, I was angry and I told my life group about it. And my life group members were like, okay, so do you feel that there's some truth to it? And they did it in such a caring way. And I realized... usually what we want is for the life group like, to like, go, oh, oh, yeah, get rid of that person. They're not a friend. Yeah. Oh, and this life group just really, they held me. Hmm. They held me in the way that I had to be held, like, like really held. They, they, they didn't flatter me, but they just said, is there, clearly this is bothering you. Is there some truth to it? And I came to realize that, yes, it's 100% true that I really became somebody that I, that's not wow. who I want to be. And if that wasn't for my friend or my life group, it's scary even to think that, like, if you don't have anyone correcting you in your life, then there's no course correction. If thermometer works because there's self-correction, <laughs> like, even like, what do you call it, uh, dismissals, they work because of that calibration. Yeah. If there's no one in your life that is actually helping you calibrate to your core values, your purpose, then 
you don't know where you're going. So that is really powerful to me. The third one is really powerful to me. And I'm sure you have some. Oh, I know. Yeah, I remember, um, you know, it was really after our son had died for a few years after a a neighbor's like, you're mad at God. I'm like, no, 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 I'm disappointed. You're no, you're mad at God. And I'm like, no, I'm the pastor. I'm not mad. And I really, I get, you know, it sits with you and you're like, oh, so you really had to like, okay, where am I angry? And what is that? And how do I release that and do that? And yeah, over time, people, you know, those good friends who really care for you or don't have their own personal agenda say things and- Don't have their own personal yeah, agenda. Yeah, they have your agenda. They want mm-hmm. the best, or God's agenda, you know, seeing what's, what's the, and it's really hard. So I think, um, because what happens is we often get offended and so we, instead of being stirred and shaped, we get offended. And I, and I think, you know, we can have this spirit of offense in us that we have been hurt or offended or something's happened, we've been rejected. And then almost everything feels like mm-hmm. an offense. So what, what do you do if, you, if you're walking around with that kind of offended spirit? I, I think... Um, I think it's it's the key word of these days, no? Like if you say, oh, I'm offended, and yeah. <laughs> somebody needs to do something about it. So actually it's funny, I talk to my nephews, and my nephew one day actually said, oh, I'm offended. I'm like, okay, and? What do you mean to do about it? Because it's not my, like it's, okay, you're offended, you gotta do something about it. And it was really interesting to have that idea because this offense and defense is actually separating you and I. Mm. And there's this like, uh, actually the word fence is a short form of defense. Right. So fence okay. is a short form of defense that actually means to like guard or, uh, or protect or ward off. So you and I may have this fence because my intention is to defend. Hmm. Because the assumption is there is something that you're attacking. So I need to now defend. So if you approach your relationship this way, that you know you are attacking me, so if you walk around being offended, maybe then you are assuming that people are out there like, trying to attack you. Yeah. And what if people are out there to really, like they're there to care for you, love you and correct you. Correction is just the expression of care. And being offended is not a, a sign of what other people do, but it's actually your heart state, isn't it? Which is not what we do. <laughs> like we blame the other. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, look at you, them. You, you did this, I'm offended. But I wonder how many times God actually thinks that of me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Proverbs eighteen nineteen: a brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city. And that's like how we power up or we put that fence around us. That's right there. Proverbs eighteen twenty four: a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother, which I, I think we often think of that's Jesus. And Jesus um, said to his disciples, I don't call you my servants or students, but friends. You know, and uh, we think, okay, he was in the upper room. There's, there's Judas, there's Peter. And he said, you are my friends. What's it mean to you that Jesus is your friend? Uh, we talk about this in, in Life Proof that some people actually have, they have a hard time seeing Jesus and God as their friend. They see Jesus as their boss. Mm-hmm. Now, I have a hard time seeing Jesus as my boss, and that's my problem. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think I really resonate with this idea of friendship, 
that he is offering. And what does it even mean that I am no longer a slave or even servant or student, but actually I am his friend? Yeah. What does that mean? I struggle with that actually idea. It's, it's overwhelming. If you sit with that idea that Jesus called you his friend, that's overwhelming, isn't it? And that's the verse that really changed my life. Because I remember one time I, I, I felt alone. I didn't have a lot of friends. I was in high school and I was reading that in the Gospel of John. And, you know, I no longer call you servants, but friends. And, and I remember having kind of like an argument with, with Jesus. Like, okay, if that's true, I, you're my friend. I don't have friends right now. You're my friend. And, you know, I think we do learn how to be friends with others by our friendship with Jesus. How is he seeing, how is he sticking with us? And that's what I saw, you know, he was always there. He was opening doors and opportunities. He's shaping my life as I got to know him. And, you know, he's, uh, you know, stirring things up because he does that. And so I think that's the truth of who Jesus is and learning that it is a friendship and relationship and he came mm -hmm. so they can do, I mean, he's obviously an influential and authoritative friend. <laughs> he's a friend boss, but he is, you know, that, that relationship that he's there, he's always there. He's cheering us on for the very best mm -hmm. for us is pretty powerful. And I think Pastor Terry, I think about this question that you actually asked me when we first met. Mm -hmm. And you, within like three minutes of like, hi, my name's Asan. <laughs> you said, so what is God stirring in your heart? Yeah. And I thought, I love this. Because that those are the real questions that we need to be actually asking each other. Right. And I, I would love to see people actually asking each other this, this question, what is God stirring you? And that's way of you stirring in their life. You may not know what they're going through, but just by posing that question, mm. I just, I went home actually that day. And then the next day I'm thinking, yeah, what is God stirring me? I had a quick answer, but really what, how yes, am I doing. being stirred? And I think right? we we were talking about what's the difference between friendship and fellowship. Yes. And that's what turns friendship into a fellowship when, mm -hmm. when Jesus really is a, a third friend mm -hmm. in the midst yeah. of the conversation. Well, I... I think we could keep talking <laughs> forever. We, we should do another podcast with stuff we didn't get get it. But I, I think friends, you know, stick with us, shape us, stir us, and I, I think we need to be more intentional with our friends. Watch for that spirit of offense and and let people uh, in. And and I think be more intentional about choosing and building our friendship. And I think we live in a culture where everybody oh everybody's so busy. And I think we all want more friends. We all want deeper friendships and we all want to take friendship, really from friendship into that fellowship. So thank you. Thanks. We're going to have uh, communion in a moment. So I invite you to get uh, communion elements. We don't have them. And let me just pray. Father, thank you for uh, your word. And uh, just for a reminder that something we take for granted is something we need to be intentional about and that we need to trust you uh, lean not on our own understanding, but to trust you and would trust you for our friends. Uh, Lord, would we look at our life and see who is there that's shaping us and stirring us and inviting people in and being open. I pray for those who, who really feel offended that they would just let your spirit kind of work and break down those walls. And I pray for those who feel a sense of rejection or loneliness and 
don't know what to do. I pray that through the church, through a, a life group, through a ministry, that they would find friendships and that they'd be able to connect in that way. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.